Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, child and teen development specialist, author, and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids that keep me on my toes and teach me new things every day. I know it's not always easy, but we are going to do this together. Thank you for spending time with me today. Children who are differently wired, and in particular children with ADHD, can often feel like something is wrong with their brain. Why can't I pay attention? Why am I getting yelled at right now? While there are some clear challenges that children with ADHD face in school and in some everyday activities, there are also many strengths that come with having ADHD. During this podcast, we'll talk about how we can better understand the challenges and strengths of having ADHD and how we can talk to children about their brain. We'll also talk about some tips and some great scripting that will allow us to best parent children with ADHD and teach children with ADHD so that they can thrive and we all can have some more success. Our guest of honor is a dear, dear friend of mine, an outstanding resource to parents, teachers, and coaches. Dr. Dara Harris is a physician and a teacher, which, as she said to me in her trademark humor, which I adore, means this bio could easily turn into a boring list of places she graduated or articles she's written. But what you really need to know about her is that she has a passion for helping people understand how their brain interacts with the world around them and how they can live happier lives as a result. People who work with her appreciate that she can really listen and understand who they are and still be willing to ask insightful, even tough questions when that's what they really need to be able to move forward. She brings a translator mindset to the podcast, helping to cut through all the noise to what's real and helpful about the experiences we all have as parents and teachers. Also, she greatly enjoys kitchen dancing with her children to hip hop because that's important too. She's a regular contributor on St. Louis Children's Hospital's Mom Docs YouTube channel, and I will have a link in the show notes on my website. She is so good at what she does. You are going to love her. She was actually the teacher of the year at Washington University's medical school this past year because she's awesome. I know you're going to see why in a moment. So now is the time, your time. If it's at all possible, please put away all the distractions, unless of course you're driving a car, and let's make this about you, or as we might call it, mine o'clock. Lord knows it's rare. Let's make the most of it. So if you're in your car and in traffic, let's just take a breath and settle in. And if you're home and the kids are napping or at school, take me to your favorite spot and let's drink a cup of coffee together or tea, whatever pleases you. And now, let us turn our attention to today's guest of honor, who has taken time out of her busy schedule to hang out, inspire us, and give us some concrete tools that we can take away and use right away or when we are in need. 
Welcome, Dr. Dara, to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. I couldn't be more excited to have you here with us today. Oh, me too. Hello, Dr. Robin. Hello. Yay. <laughs> so before we get into the real meat of the matter, for those who of, of all of the people who are listening, those of you who haven't had the opportunity or pleasure to meet you and watch your videos or read your articles, would you just take a moment to tell us what gets you up in the morning, what you think about before you sleep at night, what you dream about doing in this world? In other words, what are you passionate about? I think the most important thing for me as a parent has been having people in it with me, like you, mm-hmm. where we don't feel alone. I think so much of parenting is complicated. It's beautiful. It's all of those things. But there's a lot of things to navigate. So I don't want all the wonderful things that we know in medicine to be locked off behind the walls and not helping everyone. So it's that translator thing we've talked about briefly in my bio. I want people to really understand first, you're not alone. Many, many people are figuring the same kinds of things out. And then there is a way to adapt. You know, you and I have talked about People frequently ask me, what is a child psychiatrist? What do we do? And I really, over time, have started to think that it's a matter of helping people to parent the kid they actually have, Mm. not the one they thought they would have Mm -hmm. or the one that's on everyone's Facebook page or (laughs) any of those things. It's, It's how do you stop in this moment, all of this complexity, really see your kid And then make the adaptations that everybody needs to be happy and to keep figuring things out. I love that. I love that. I've written about that fictitious Facebook family, and we've all fallen (laughs) victim to that fictitious Facebook family. So thank you for bringing that up. I think we probably could all relate to that. Um, So, you know, one of the the areas that you really concentrate on so much is on ADHD. And I wanted to ask, really, what is ADHD without all the jargon and without, you know, all those highfalutin words? You know, what is ADHD? Is it the same as ADD? You know, I I don't know how many letters we can probably add into that. What really is it? You know, I think there's some really exciting things that are happening where we are starting to value what we call neurodiversity. So the idea that there is just one kind of brain to use going through the world is just utter garbage. Mm. Um, What we're finally starting to figure out is there are lots of beautiful ways to put together brains, and they have different strengths and different ways that they navigate the world. So for ADHD, One of the biggest misconceptions is that it's uh, all about inattention and that they never focus and or any of those things. And it's really not that. Um, First of all, for psychiatrists, ADHD is the big term. And we have that basically mean ADD, ADHD, all of it. So it's kind of an umbrella term for us. Now, some kids have more hyperactivity and impulsivity and other kids maybe don't have that, but have more inattention. But no matter what, it's the best way to think about it is I like to have the analogy, it's like a radio stations, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, kids, you might have to use playlists, but mm-hmm. um, for the way I like to talk about it is 
if you take a kid without ADHD or ADD, they probably have one loud radio station playing at a time. And so when they're in a school setting, it works really well. They turn it into the teacher station, they listen to that one radio station, follow the instructions, all of those things. But if you take a brain with ADHD, it's more like having five radio stations playing at once. Now, the cool thing is you could come up with some new jazz, hip-hop, fusion, wonderful thing, right? Because you've mm-hmm. got lots of information coming in. But it can also be very frustrating. Um, as parents and teachers, we tend to think that our particular broadcast station is the loudest. Mm-hmm. But it really doesn't work that way for kids with ADHD. For them, whatever they're interested in is the loudest channel. Mm -hmm. So they actually can have hyper-focus. They can play a video game or watch something and, you know, you could be snapping your fingers next to them and get no response, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's not the inability to pay attention. What it really is is it's difficulty changing channels and especially changing channels when other people need you to or would think. And then sometimes... Um, you know, a good analogy is it's like someone else is holding the remote and switching stations without you wanting them to, right? right? So you really do want to be paying attention. But unfortunately, every other channel comes in, something that's happening in mowing the yard outside your classroom, all of those pieces. So it's difficulty controlling the attention. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. That is really really helpful. And I know that we all probably have somebody in our life that has that going on. And I think it's important that we can understand what they're going through. It's not that they don't think we're important, but that they're having trouble shifting their attention. And it's, it's not a commentary about the other person. It's, it's talking about their particular brain. Um, I think that's, you're, you're putting it so beautifully. I feel like One of the things I have to say over and over again is I've just never met a kid who wants to disappoint other people Mm. by having trouble with attention. I don't know that kid. I mean, I know the kids who are struggling and really want it to work. Now, sometimes they'll give up, right, because Mm. they just can't get the channels to change and they'll get frustrated. and, And sometimes they'll even refuse to do things that it just seems like it won't work. But I've just never met a kid who didn't want this to work well. We've talked about this before, you and I, privately. But I would love to have you talk about what you really want kids to think after they learn about their brain. And how do you explain their brain mm-hmm. in your own clinic? What What is it that you say? And, and then how do they think about it or how do you want them to think about it after you explain it? So uh, the first thing is I tell them they have a beautiful brain and one that I very much like. And Mm. I think that is the most important message. Um, I don't use language about something being wrong with it. Instead, Mm. Mm. my favorite analogy is I I tell them that they have an explorer brain. Mm -hmm. I frequently get questions about why are we diagnosing ADHD now and, um, you know, all the overdiagnosis questions. And, you know, I think that's really a separate discussion, except that for a lot of kids, if they had this brain type, at a time where they had lots of free exploration. Mm. And so even sometimes you'll see this, that a kid who's really struggling in school will get to a summer camp and will just light up. Mm -hmm. I tell them it's really the explorer brain. 
So they are so good at seeing patterns or they're the one that always finds the turtle or, right? Right. Amazing information seeking brain. And that the hard part for them is going to be when they're told they need to sit down in one place and do one thing at a time. So when they're in situations where ideas can collide, they can listen to the bird sounds and then look for the next thing, their brain is going to be lit up and so happy. Mm-hmm. And then it's more a matter of how do we help this brain for the times when it really does need to focus and that we can help that with a lot of different techniques, but that the problem is nothing to do with having a bad or damaged brain. It's just a different way of going through the world. I think that you have such a nice way of putting that and that people must take a collective sigh of relief when you say those words. Uh, how many times do we success, hear right? right? I mean, it says, how many times do we hear that there's something wrong with a child because they are not able to sit still as well as somebody else in the class or they're looking for the snake in the grass when they're supposed to be doing the organized activity. And I love that you're putting it that, you know, that this explorer's brain, I, I see that so much in my own son that he has an explorer's brain. And I appreciate that so much about him. He's the one who can find anything when right, he's lost. Right, he can find the turtle kid. Oh my gosh. I mean, he's amazing with that. And he, you know, amazing at puzzles. And I think that it's, it's because of that explorer's brain. And I so appreciate the way that you put that. I I imagine that the kids who are listening to you explain that to them must find such a friend in you. And then, you know, then we just talk about, give me an example of a time where you saw something no one else did, or where you Mm. figured out something that people didn't see right away. And and then when we talk about what they want to be, we talk about there are places where that explorer brain is exactly what is needed. Mm-hmm. You know, there are so many successful people who talk about having ADHD that now we don't have to we don't have to pretend like it's a secret. We don't mm-hmm, have to pretend right. like it predicts what happens in their life. There are incredible entrepreneurs who have done this. There are people who like working in kitchens or working in art. You places where sales, where lots of things are going on and you're tracking multiple things can be a beautiful fit for an explorer brain. Mm-hmm. And there are kids, you know, and adults with ADHD who have fallen in love with accounting and make that work too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not about success. It's about, do we understand it and really get the barriers out of their way? So this is a controversial question, but I I think that it's important to ask. What do you think about treatment? Um, You must get that question a lot about people asking about that. And, you know, I always tell the parents I work with that they're in the driver's seat that making a medication decision is a compli- you know, complicated one that needs to be carefully weighed out. So I never have a stake in it. I always think that it's a personal decision that that family makes. I think the wonderful thing is we've been doing research and working with these medicines for over 30 years and now have studies where we have truly followed the kid all the way up into the grown-up and can say that really these can be done safely 
and really have benefits. You know, the common questions I get are, um, is my kid going to get addicted? Is this addictive mm-hmm. medicine? And really, that has just not been shown in the literature. Um, kids who have ADHD and are taking that medicine don't, you know, always need more doses. They don't miss things along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, they really tend to take them as prescribed. And actually, interestingly, what we found looking at large groups of kids is treating ADHD can prevent substance abuse, um, can prevent all kinds of things you'd be surprised by, makes divorce less likely. You know, all the places where impulsivity, driving accidents, Mm -hmm. places where impulsivity could be an issue, treating that makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. Now, we have to be careful. These medicines can be abused. Mm -hmm. That's a very different thing from saying that a kid who takes it for a medical condition gets addicted. That is not being shown. But certainly, as with many, many different medicines, these medicines can be used incorrectly mm-hmm. um, and used by people who don't have that diagnosis. But with absolutely routine kinds of modifications where you keep medicines in a secured place um, and kids take them at home or at school in safe environments, that shouldn't be a big concern. And the benefits really, really outweigh them. Um, the only place where I think there's been some good research and things to look into is if your child or you have a family history of heart disease when they're children, then you may want to get some additional studies ahead of time. It doesn't mean that you can't take the medicine, but your pediatrician or child psychiatrist may want to get more information just to make sure that they're okay. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the medicines we use can change the heart rate a little bit or change the blood pressure a little bit. So, you know, it's why they need to be done carefully by good doctors. But the take-home is, after years and years of using them, that they both work and can be done safely. Mm. Excellent. I, I think those are important uh, distinctions to make, the, the one that you were talking about in particular with abusing these kinds of drugs like you could do to any prescription or non-prescription drug and using them correctly and not getting addicted. I think those are are very important points to make, and I'm sure parents appreciate that. I would love to find out, because we're talking so much about how to engage in a conversation with children about this, and because you are such uh, a gifted person when it comes to talking to kids about this, can you tell us a couple of tips, a couple of takeaways that that any parent can use for a successful conversation about this topic, you know, in the moment when life has already happened, or if you haven't yet even had the conversation and you need to discuss it, what, what are some tips that you would use in order to have that successful conversation? You know how our favorite lead-in when you and I talk with our kids is, I love you and mm-hmm. you're just the right kid for me. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes. I think some moments when we're in that and we're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm in way over my head. <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. What am I doing? <laughs> and I, you know, I tell this people, I, I have every degree possible to parent, right? I trained as a pediatrician, a child psychiatrist. My mom was a social worker. I still have moments where I cannot believe that's what I said or did. Yes, I mean, constantly. 
Oh, it is the most humbling experience of all. Sure is. Um, Sure is. Yeah, we can go back and give refunds to everyone we gave advice to, right? Before you were. (laughs) I I was like, I I need to just not talk some days. Just that's the best you can do. Isn't that our line? Was that the best you could do? Apparently in the moment it was. (laughs) It really, and, and so, you know, I think part of why I'm such a big fan of this project that you're doing is because you are bringing that beautiful kind of honesty and then the practical pieces. So, you know, first off, the tip I have is this is hard. Mm. Be kind to yourself. Yes. Um, you're figuring it out as you go. No, you know, just a kindness moment for yourself as a parent. And then I actually do start a lot of these conversations off with that I love you and mm-hmm. you're just the right kid for me. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things that you and I really agree on is that any conversation actually is a listening task first. Right. Yes, it is. It's and, hard. And it is, and you know, and it's sweet because as parents, we're like, I got to get this right. I got to, yes. I got to say the right words. Yes. Got to do that. Yes. And then the reality is, oh, both. I'm <laughs> not going to. Right. Um, but also that the most important piece is to take cues from your kid. So mm-hmm. when you start it, take a good look. Are they in the place to have the conversation? Right. So you know, reasonably well fed and not exhausted, and you know, mm-hmm. um, having a moment where they can talk. And then if nothing else, if they walk away with your opening line, which is that you love them and they're just the kid you mm-hmm. need, it's a success. You'll go back to content later, right? You'll get that. So that's my first one. My second one is the piece that nothing is wrong with your brain. Mm-hmm. That your brain is a beautiful brain, and I use the explorer analogy, And that what we're going to do together, that my job as your parent is to help get things out of your way. Mm -hmm. And then I let them talk a little bit about their barriers. You know, what are the things that are going on for them? Mm -hmm. Because that way, when we are having a strategy conversation, we're aligned. Right. Is it feeling like kids don't like them because they're impulsive or get frustrated? Yes, right. Or is it the teacher's always yelling at me? Whether or not that's actually what's happening. If you have five radio stations playing and you're listening to all of them and someone else yells, you don't hear the other 10 times where they very reasonably asked you for something. So kids with ADHD will tell you they're constantly being surprised by yelling. Parents and teachers say, I said it 10, ten times. Ten, yes, right, right, right. Sure. But it's okay. You did. You just said it on the wrong radio station. Right. <laughs> they weren't tuned into that one. They weren't tuned in. So they're not being deliberate and willful about it. It's really that you weren't the loudest one. So if we're going to say, I love you, you're the right kid for me, nothing wrong with your brain, my job is to get barriers out of your way, what are they? Then you start off with alignment for all the different times that you are going to sort through the next steps when you're going to talk to them about medicine or talk to them about changing their school environment. Mm -hmm. You're coming in with that. Um, And then the last tip is after you've gone through barriers, talk about the ways that their brain works better or more creatively. So find that thing that your kid loves to do, like finding the turtles on every walk or any of those explorer things and help them to connect that to that beautiful brain too. So yeah, sometimes your brain is frustrating 
Um, but it's also beautiful. And here are the things that I'm going to promote for you. Oh, I love that. I love that. I'm sure that kids are constantly hearing, you know, what they're doing wrong. And it's, I think it's great to make sure you're incorporating what they're doing right and how uniquely they're yeah. doing things right because yes, of their piece. brain, right? Because yeah. of it and not in spite of it. Right. right, right, and the compliment, the more specific it is, the more meaningful, which I think we know as grown-ups too, but then sometimes, especially when you're in the trenches, playing a game with yourself where at the end of the day you have to have given five specific compliments to your kid is a great way to flip that brain that we have when we're tired or frustrated mm-hmm. or having to say things over and over again into what are the five specific wonderful things about my kid. Right. I and I feel like I've seen on uh I've seen on Pinterest and going across the internet lately that there was a a great activity for Valentine's Day where you could put on the child's door all the things that you love oh, about yeah. them. Something yeah. different each day. And actually we're you know we've been doing it. Oh, I love that. Which idea. I love, but I flipped it a little bit because what I saw in much most of the examples were compliments about things that are fun, but not necessarily commenting about their character and Ooh. what is unique about them. So my the ones that I've been using are more like, I love how hard you work on yes. puzzles. You know, I and yes. I I I really admire your courage when you try new things and stick with them. And I I think those kinds of really specific compliments especially with a child who's differently wired who keeps hearing negative things about themselves what a great self-esteem builder self-worth builder yes and and just recognizing that i can contribute to this world and people are noticing i think that's such and you know what i like about this that i find even when i'm working with medical students we're giving them feedback you know in general brains, not just ADHD brains, um, are wired to find what's broken, which makes sense in a survival sense. But then building on what you're saying, it can make it difficult to find the things that are going well. So when we're working with medical students, I'm telling everyone, I need it to be specific and repeatable. Mm-hmm. And that we have trouble doing that with positive feedback. So doing a thing like what you're doing, and, and I think you could do it any month, right? Any or month. any week. Any month is what is specific and repeatable that your kid could do that you value, right? Working hard at puzzles. And when you talk to parents of kids with ADHD, one of the most common things I hear in my office with tears running down their faces, I feel like all I do is yell. Oh, right. Right? Right. So one of the things I think it's really important to understand, first, give yourself like a second, this is so common, and it actually makes sense. So what happens, right? Now let's go back to this idea of the five channels, right? Mm -hmm. So you are on your channel broadcasting live, and you've asked five different times, right? Now we understand they aren't listening to your channel. So unfortunately, what happens is you continue to elevate your voice trying to get their attention, right? right? By the time you do you are actually yelling, right? But the thing is, is that is using this emergency brake system for attention. So they actually 
do respond to that, which mm-hmm. is part of why it gets confusing to parents, right? This is your own sweet brain trying to get attention and using an emergency brake system. Right. So what I tell parents, and you and I have talked about this, mm-hmm. is that it's better to game the system and to use multiple sensory systems love. to get their attention instead mm-hmm. of yelling, right? Love, love, love. So if you're having a situation, this is that, and I love how you put it, this is the end of upstairs parenting, across the hall parenting. Or whatever. <laughs> it's right. You know, Only so it's, from experience do I know that when I right. tried to parent from upstairs when the kids were downstairs. And then you have this moment of like, yes, that would be convenient. <laughs> However, I would tell you that starting every day yelling is less convenient. So True. let's True. let's try it. But, you know, there is a moment where you realize you can't tell them five things to do and then yell from, you know, downstairs. Yeah. So, right. but if what you do instead is think, okay, we've got a bunch of radio stations. How do I get their attention? using at least two or three systems can help, right? So if when you're telling them something to do, you're looking at them, that's one sensory system. You're using your voice, that's auditory, that's the second one. And then if you actually have your hand on their arm, Mm -hmm. then you're using all of the different sensory systems. You're getting, I guess you could do smell and some other things creatively, I'm sure some parents. (laughs) Wave a French fry under their nose. Right, right, I know. (laughs) I would do a lot for a French fry. Let's not <laughs> you know that about me. I do. Um, you know, or waffles that you make that yes, are spectacular. Waffles. But if you have those three systems and they look at you and they can repeat back what yes. you've said, you're going to be able to avoid that yelling trap because you know that those first five times you said it aren't wasted. Mm-hmm. So I look at the yelling phenomenon as it's okay. You didn't know how that brain worked. But now that you do, you just need to use the body's natural systems instead of the emergency break of yelling. That tip for me made a huge difference and actually was really surprising the first time I did it when I was like, I don't even know that this is going to work. But I did it and all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh. Like seriously, it works exactly as you're describing it. And I think that's awesome. Um, now that you've told us, I mean, you've already given us a bunch of, of, of tips. You've given us the scripting about you have an incredible brain and I love you the way you are and you're the perfect kid for me and here's what's going on. Uh, have you used any of these tips or scripts in your own life, in your office, wherever, where it really did open up a conversation, maybe for the first time in a child's life? And, and how did that go? You know, I think one of the pieces that we joke about with parents is, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh, the kids didn't come with an owner's manual. Um, But I think one of the other common patterns actually is that parents frequently have undiagnosed ADHD. And they came from a time where they got messages about they weren't very bright, they weren't the school type. Um, even all the way to bad kids or stupid. Mm. I've heard amazing stories Mm -hmm. from adults. Um, So one of the things I really commonly see is that when I sit down and I talk to, I'm thinking of a particular family, I'm talking to the um, little boy about it, and he's nodding and kind of, you know, we're, we're doing all that. And I look up and his dad has tears going down the side of his face. And and, you know, so at first I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, did I, what did I, <laughs> right. going back through what I said. But then he just said, this is me as a kid. Oh. This is what I went through. He said, 
you know, when people talk about why didn't we know about ADHD before, part of what it was is that um, these are kids that would drop out, um, you know, would sort of barely struggle by. And, you know, he told stories about just really feeling alone in a classroom and that everybody else was doing the work. And he, you know, was that one. And, and his words were, bad kid. Mm-hmm. And watching now over the last six months to a year where his son has gotten into treatment and suddenly it's like seeing the path you are on and how it could have gone differently. So, so. Mm -hmm. you know, this is a kid now who went from failing grades to really top grades in his class. And like you've said, just the self-esteem difference is mm-hmm. so big. And and when parents talk to me about medicine and they say, well, why would you, you know, consider medicine in my kid? Why, why would that be a thing now? I tell people my main thing is that this is a barrier that's keeping you from seeing what your kid is capable of. Mm-hmm. So if we were going to give an analogy and we were going to say, all right, let's talk about exercise-induced asthma. You could absolutely tell that kid, don't ever exercise, right? Right. We would all be horrified by that idea. Right. You know, we would say, well, that's not, you know, a full childhood. This kid needs to be able to go out and play and do everything. And, you know, what I think is amazing is that mental health stigma means you put one body together and you have reactive attention pathways, and that's ADHD. You put another body together and you have reactive airways. But we don't treat them like they're the same thing. No. They are. So when you are in the line at, you know, some kind of store and everyone in line behind you knows how to raise your kid, you, right? Because we've all had that experience. (laughs) Yes, right. And if you've never had a public meltdown, I just really recommend trying it um, just to keep yourself humble as a parent. Yes, that's nice. But you're sitting there and someone's like, you know, if you just spanked him more. Well, I want you to put in the word asthma because that's the same thing. So if you said, you know what, if you spanked your kid more, they wouldn't have asthma. Well, this is very freeing for so many people. I mean, really. You know, if you were a better parent, they wouldn't have asthma. Um, If you set more limits, if you didn't ever let them watch TV, you know, these are just... It's not their fault. It isn't. This is their brain. Absolutely. And that stigma is an absolute waste, a cruel waste of time. These are just different parts of the body that are reactive. I think people are tearing up right now. I really do. I do. Because I think this is probably one of the first times they're really hearing this. And I love that analogy that you put between, you know, reactive airway or diabetes or whatever we've talked about in the past and, and just sub in ADHD. And what if, what if we just did that? And people would understand this is part of who they are. It is not a a decision about behavior. I do. And it's not a parenting failure either, right? No. And I do remember one time I had two opposing experiences. One where I had a man sitting behind me um, when one of, when my son was having a little bit of a meltdown in a, in a restaurant and he turned around and he said, I did not come to this restaurant to hear you discipline your child. And, you know, and and you, and he had a lot to say uh, about how, you know, I, I wasn't on him enough or doing the right thing, but I did have an opposing experience. And I want to underscore this just because 
it's so important if you have the opportunity to do this for another parent, yes. like, please, oh please gosh, do this. Yes. Where this woman came up to me, she's probably in her 80s, when my daughter was having a meltdown and I was had taken her out and brought her back into the restaurant. And she said, dear, I just want you to know you are doing a wonderful job and you are an amazing mother. I cried right there on the spot. Of course. So if we can do that for parents, as you're doing right now, for the people who are listening. Be a community for each other. And just assume you don't know the rest of the story. I think that's the best way to go into anyone's you know, world and see them in a, you know, a moment of parenting struggle is just automatically assume you don't know the rest of the story. And then what can you do to be supportive? Thank you. You know, that's, I think that's a wonderful takeaway. And speaking of takeaways. Yes. And speaking of takeaways, if you had one piece of advice, one tip, one absolutely crucial takeaway that you would want somebody to take away from this podcast, from the, about this topic, if there was nothing else, what would that be? That this is just the right brain for them and just the right kid for you. Mm. And that getting a diagnosis like this is just the beginning of figuring out how to get things out of their way. And that you can do that well with a good community, with a pediatrician, a child psychiatrist, with wonderful educational specialists. But this is something that, all right, this is what we've got. And we are going to figure out the ways where you end up with the life you want. And as your parent, I'm on board. I'm going to figure it out with you and support and advocate for you. I think that is beautiful. I love what you've been saying. I love that tip that you have an amazing brain, that you are just the right kid for me. Mm-hmm. And and I think that we could sub in a multitude of diagnoses and, and yes. regular things that happen to kids every day for yes. that ADHD and just be able to relay that to our kids who may seem a little shy or a little impulsive yes. or a little this way or that way or not what people right. quote unquote name normal. We yes. got to throw that term out. Absolutely. And thank you so very much for it's today. It's so fun. Oh, I'm so, so excited about wonderful. your work. Thank you. So, Dr. Dara, thank you so much for joining us today. We can only imagine how busy your schedule is. I know you're running off. I want you to thank, to just thank you for sharing your wisdom. It has made us all more prepared, I think, ready to take on this topic, whether it's now or later. You gave us some really super tips, some great scripting. Thank you. I loved your stories and these the steps to, to make this conversation easier. I love what you said about that beautiful brain and that this is the perfect kid for me. I think you're I can. So welcome. You're, I thank you, thank you, and I think we can all speak for those uh, listening and say that this is information we can use. And I can't wait to hear everybody's takeaways. I'm going to take my marching orders. I'm going to be writing up my notes. I'm going to share with all of you what I've gotten out of this fabulous podcast with this amazing guest. And I just want to say thank you, sweet friend, for taking the time to be on with us today and and how much we appreciate it. Yay. Yay! So glad to be on your team and on the team of your listeners. We've got this, guys. We just have to hang in together. Well, thank you for that.
That's all the time we have for today, sweet friends. Thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. I look forward to weathering the storms, gathering the tools, and celebrating the sunny side of life together. And please, if you love this podcast like I did, from the bottom of my heart, I would so appreciate it if you'd go to iTunes and rate it, review it, tell everybody what you found so helpful. It helps more than you can imagine. And if you can share it, then more people can use these amazing tools that Dr. Dara has laid out so beautifully for all of us. I truly appreciate it, and I am sure that other parents and teachers and coaches would appreciate it too. And please remember, even when it seems like you are grasping at straws, you've got this. After all, you're here. You're getting the information you need. And on the days when we fall short, and we all have those days, never forget there's always tomorrow. Parenting is the ultimate do-over. I see you. I get it. So get out there and get talking. And I know there is no doubt you will continue to be 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Keep talking, keep listening, and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com.